Welcome back to the OWASP PDX Podcast. Today we have a very distinguished guest, Senior United States Senator for Oregon, Ron Wyden. He's been a senator for our beautiful state since 1996. He's a member of the Democratic Party and has previously served in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1981 until 1996. He's the current dean of Oregon's congressional delegation. Our discussion today will focus primarily on recent cybersecurity and privacy legislation that the senator is leading. We want to give a special thanks to the senator's staff, Hank and Grace, for helping us arrange this interview. We also want to thank Warner Pacific University and its president, Dr. Andrea Cook, for the hospitality and generosity to user facilities to conduct our interview last week, Saturday, February 22nd, 2020. Senator Wyden, it's an honor to be here with us thank today. Thank you for having me. This is an important program. It's a beautiful day, and welcome back to Portland. Thank you. Elections are coming up, and security is on the mind of everyone, especially when it comes to voting machines. Now, some security experts say that upgrading to a paper-based voting machine, you know, like the old days, is actually better security these days. Senator, what needs to be done here to protect the American vote? Well, I do think that concept, low-tech, hand-marked paper ballots, is absolutely essential. And let me kind of walk you through where I think we are. I sit on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and I will tell you... As of today, early in 2020, I believe we're going to have hostile foreign governments and other bad actors present this country with threats in the 2020 election that are going to make 2016 look like small potatoes. So that's my sense of where we are, and I just think much is left to be done to uh, prepare. Five states still exclusively use hackable paperless voting machines. Nine states still use paperless machines in some counties. And so that's why it is not exactly a surprise that Russia targeted election systems in all 50 states. And for example, I went to the floor of the Senate just a couple of days ago, and I wanted to advance what's called the SAFE Act, hand-marked paper ballots and audits and uh, ensuring that we have cybersecurity standards. And I mentioned that in this country we have voting machines with an open connection to the Internet. That's like stashing our ballots in the Kremlin. So it's very clear to me that a lot more needs to be done in terms of election security. We can talk about that. Great. Thank you, Senator. Uh, last month, the private equity firm Ethos Capital announced that it has plans to uh, buy rights to the nonprofit.org registry for $1 billion. Senator, you and several of your colleagues drafted a letter questioning the sale. What concerns do you have um, if the sale goes through? What concerns me is putting nonprofit internet addresses in the hands of a for-profit private equity company is going to raise the cost for nonprofits and potentially threaten their security and privacy and reliability and possibly even free speech. The registry that controls.org has to provide reliable and affordable domain services to nonprofits. It's got to protect the free speech rights of all users even for those with unpopular views that governments or corporations may not like. 
and it's got to protect internet users from phishing, malware, and denial of service attacks. So this private equity outfit, this firm, has got a long way to go to convince me that what they're up to is in the best interests of the internet and of nonprofits, and to, in effect, let them gobble up the .org registry. And my view is that legally binding contractual commitments would at least be a sensible place to start. Can I ask a follow-up on that? Sure. So you and I believe Senator Warren and Senator Blumenthal um, and another senator who I can't remember wrote a letter to them with a, a list of questions, just wanting clarity on a lot of things. Have you heard back at all from that letter? We certainly continue to have questions, and that's why I said I want us to be playing offense in terms of ensuring that there are protections for consumers and users, and if they're serious about showing that they want to be sensitive to the concerns that we're raising, they'll get out and lock in legally binding contractual commitments. That would be a place to show that they're serious about not just running an outfit, they're, they're going to milk for profit. Senator, the uh, California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, became law this year, and many of the privacy protections seen in it are similar to the European Union's GDPR. Senator, why haven't we seen something similar at the federal level regarding sweeping, comprehensive protection for consumer privacy? Well, as you know, the far right has certainly not been interested much in this, and uh, in the Senate, we haven't seen any indication that Republicans are really willing to put in, with teeth, strong privacy protections that Americans need to secure our personal information. And I'm of the view that Mark Zuckerberg and the other CEOs of these major companies, companies that have millions of customers, generate billions of dollars in revenue, are not going to take the privacy of Americans seriously unless they are held personally accountable. That's what I do in my legislation. It's called the Mind Your Own Business Act. It has the toughest enforcement provisions of any proposal in the United States. What we stipulate is that if these CEOs, and we're not talking about the, the local person who's got a little IT company. We're talking about the executives, the biggest companies. If they lie to the federal government, we require them to disclose their privacy policies to the FTC. They would face personal consequences, including the possibility of jail time, the kind of thing that um, the financial executives are subject um, to. And I think that would really add uh, a new dimension of accountability that is sorely lacking right now. That's great. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Senator, you've been a strong proponent over the years of preventing government from forcing companies to create backdoors into personal devices like cell phones. One example would be to weaken encryption. Any security expert will tell you that the strongest security in a system is its weakest link. Senator, what role does a lack of understanding of how this technology works play into this debate? Well, it, it is hugely um, important that members of Congress and our country as well see what's at stake here. If you undermine strong encryption, you are going to weaken 
the security of Americans' information and make our networks, U.S. networks, more susceptible to cyber attacks. In effect, it would be a gift to the foreign hacker at the expense of um, the American consumer. Now, some of my colleagues might see encryption as a security problem. I would argue that encryption is a security solution. This is really a debate not about security versus liberty, but about whether you're gonna have more security versus less security, and strong encryption gives you more uh, security. Passing laws prohibiting strong U.S. encryption, uh, U.S.-made encryption are not gonna stop uh, terrorists and criminals from using apps with uh, strong encryption, and that capability is already available not just in the United States, but from non-U.S. companies as well. Now, here's what's going on, and this is why those who are following this program will, I hope, regard this question as particularly timely. The Trump administration right now, as we speak, is working with Republican Senate leaders to advance legislation giving the Attorney General the power to set online speech guidelines along with the opportunity to access everything Americans do with their digital devices. But as I've indicated, forcing companies to build in encryption backdoors for the government to access is going to increase the threat of foreign hackers stealing the keys to those backdoors. I mean, it's not as if, you know, you're um, just going after, you know, bad guys. You know, this is going to apply to good guys as well. So the important thing is that companies should, shouldn't be required to undermine the security of their own products. And I'm very much opposed to this effort being led now by the Trump officials, senior Republicans, to this uh, combination of weakening, um, you know, in encryption and um, running the risk that uh, foreign hackers are going to steal uh, our devices and uh, reducing privacy. Thank you, Senator. And a follow-up to that. So this next week, RSA Con, um, there's a talk on predictive policing and uh, just a question around uh, what you just mentioned around the, um, the Trump administration monitoring Americans and allowing um, law enforcement to see things. One of the things with predictive policing is the ability to maybe spot um, mass shootings before they occur at high schools. Um, but to obviously to, to see that coming, you need to be monitoring the social media activity and, and the personal information of a lot of underage people, under 18. We're still learning more about these kinds of policies, but what has to be the foundation is to recognize that this is not a security versus liberty issue. Smart policies give you more liberty and more security, and not so smart policies give you less liberty and less security, and that's what you see behind the encryption debate. So we're going to be following this conference that's coming up. You were mentioning your effort as well for NSA surveillance. Can you give us an update on that legislation? Well, what we're dealing with right now, of course, is the FISA legislation, and that is about to come to the floor here. We're talking about, you know, 215, and I want to strengthen the law to protect geolocation information, protect people from having their browsing uh, history um, monitored. And I think there's a certain, you know, irony is my fight to go after metadata and collecting millions of phone records on law-abiding Amer Americans. I pretty much won that battle. 
But when the Trump administration says, well, we're not going to do it, and we've shown that it has not been a useful tool in fighting uh, terror, A, I want to embed that into uh, strong legislation, which is what our bipartisan bill does, and then I want to go further into those areas like protecting geolocation information, browsing uh, history, and I also feel strongly about making sure we end the one-sidedness of the FISA court because I think you ought to be able to have amicus opinions that reflect a side other than the governments in this debate. Senator, regarding the protection of wireless personal devices, you and several of your colleagues sent a letter to the FCC asking it to require wireless carriers to offer more protection for consumers against what's unauthorized SIM swaps, which is a problem, as you know. Can you tell us more about what this means, and has the FCC responded yet? Well, and let's make sure everybody knows what we're talking about here. An unauthorized SIM swap involves a criminal who convinces a phone company to transfer a victim's phone number to them by obtaining a new SIM card from the phone company. Then they use the stolen you know, phone number to log into the victim's email, the victim's bank account. Then they transfer funds out of that account, steal personal information. Maybe they're going to impersonate them on uh, social media. Uh, consumers are, in effect, faced with having to rely on phone companies to protect their accounts. And that has not exactly worked out so well. The Federal Communications uh, Commission recently responded to our letter, but they don't seem to really want to require carriers to offer consumers strong protections for their accounts, nor are they um, exactly willing to go after carriers that are careless in allowing criminals to take over consumer accounts. That is no surprise because A.G. Pai, who runs the Federal Communications you know, Commission, had a lot of these carriers and influential businesses as clients, so he doesn't really seem to be on the consumer side. He's on the side of all these companies and people that he was close to before he went to the FCC. Now, other countries have made phone companies um, implement simple, common-sense mechanisms to make SIM swapping much less likely to actually take place. So I believe there's a lot more that phone companies and the FCC ought to be doing to protect consumers in this area, and we're spending a lot of time working on it. Senator, as you know, OWASP is a nonprofit organization, uh, volunteers focused on making the web a more secure place for everyone. It's a good fight, uh, but sometimes we feel a bit overwhelmed. There's not enough people with the right skill set and not enough diversity in our ranks. It's almost as if there's a national emergency with all the breaches and ransomware we see every day in our day-to-day jobs. What's being done to fill the gap here? And well, not, not enough. And let me just offer up a couple of, couple of quick thoughts. Uh, young women, uh, girls, and communities of color are still underrepresented in STEM disciplines and continue to face a lot of you know, obstacles, and, and young women in particular, obstacles that their male counterparts do not. Maintaining the country's competitive edge and confronting these kinds of challenges we have been talking about on this program ensures that we need everybody in the fight. We can't leave such a large part of the population outside the ability to uh, get into these uh, fields. And so one of the areas that we're looking at are ways to create some new incentives for uh, women, um, and particularly young women, to go into these fields and make sure that they have the same opportunities that everybody else would. 
And a couple uh, just questions on that. So one of the things as a chapter, we have um, a fair number of college students that are involved in our in our chapter, um, many of which are interested in possible government work, um, possible uh, cyber policy work. So what are some resources you would suggest for those who are interested in cyber policy? Well, please policy? have them get in touch you know, with, with our office, and we can um, give them uh, those uh, suggestions. What I can tell you is it's a perfect time for them to be interested in the field. And this is not a classified you know, matter, but you know, the workforce in the cyber area, in the intelligence field, is certainly aging. And a lot of those folks are retiring. So for those that really care about these fields, they ought to be in touch with us and we can help them. Awesome. Great. We'll, we'll have them do that. Um, and then the last question is just, who are some of the staffers, both sides of the aisle, that you think best understand these issues that would be good people to, to follow and and learn from? Well, I I don't think I should single out people <laughs> on yeah, makes sense. the other side of the aisle or the like, but but certainly Chris Segoyan in our in our office is just uh, just tops. He's the real go to person, I think, in the Senate on a lot of these um, questions with respect to technology and surveillance and uh, and elections and uh, and I hope uh, those who are following the, the, the program will be involved in your organization. I think uh, it's a terrific, you know, nonprofit that's really reaching out and extending opportunities to underserved and underrepresented uh, communities. And uh, we'd like to uh, uh, follow up with you guys in the days ahead. Thank you so much, Senator. Thank you, we'll Senator. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Portland, Oregon chapter of the Open Web Application Security Project, OWASP. Check us out online and see how we're making the web a more secure place. Music is by Tomo and Animoy. And my name is John Whiteman. Thanks for listening.